0: Welcome to the Positively Joy podcast, a podcast that deals with searching in all seasons. I'm your host, Yvette Walker, and this is part two of my conversation with cookbook and children's book author Crescent Dragon Wagon and her husband, Mark Graff. We talk about sharing stories and finding joy in this particular season that we're in now. I hope you enjoy the show. When you are when you're creating stories, um, you know, for example, when Charlotte wrote *The Man with the Purple Eyes*, um, obviously there was no she, she could not foretell me, and she could not know that her story would spark something in me that maybe she never even thought about. You know, I was a little girl, a little Catholic girl, growing up uh, actually in Chicago, and whether or not the man to some people is an old is an old god or or a a form of nature or the christian god or whatever um it's going to affect and for me um it's that 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 tree that she grew sparked um, a way for me to think outside myself that there was something bigger than me and i always remember the last line where Anna, when they when they go back to the country, and I guess we should probably just say a little bit about what the book is about. Um, Anna's father gets sick. Um, they, they're from the country, but they have to go to the city, and um, he, he he languishes a bit. She meets this, you know, the, the titular character. And who gives her this seed, and uh, when she gives him well, the she, plant. She they
1: trade it, because she, she has a penny.
0: That is true,
2: her that is true.
1: It, save it for a special her time. father
2: is a professor of mythology.
1: Yeah, he's a professor mm-hmm. of mythology, and he gives her this ancient coin and says to save it. for. So it's not just that he gives it, she has to want it. There's that is true. It, that is and true. And that's part of it, too, I but,
0: think. And I don't want to, you know, I want people to read the book, but, but in the <laughs> end, in the end, when they're back in the country, she takes a sprig of the plant, and when she puts it on the ground, it takes root, and then she hears the words, that is the way, child. I will always remember that that is the way, child. And I don't know why that, so there's no way she could know how it would resonate with me. So when you are writing, do you ever wonder about what are these words, whether it's bat in the dining room or whether it's another book, you know, what are these words going to mean to a child that you could, there's no way you could even understand how it would resonate with them. Do you think about that? Do you, does that worry you sometimes? It would, it would be
1: too much of a weight to bear, I think. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, at the moment that one is writing a story, at least that one that turns out to be any good, you're kind of a conduit. It flows through you. But you're, you know, I have heard it said that true art has no author. Mm -hmm. And pretty much any writer, any painter will tell you that at certain moments they were absent, they were gone. It was just flowing through them. Mm -hmm. My friend Howard Diallo, who discovered her gift for painting Light in Life, she's a a refugee from Mortania um, Mm -hmm. and genocide survivor. Mm -hmm. And she said... I don't know where this is coming. She discovered her gift, Mm. not quite as late as Mark and I discovered Mm. loving each other, but Mm. late in life, and she had no training, and she just was, this gift was thrust upon her. And she she actually worked with Charlotte in Charlotte's final years. And how, uh, you know, any artist or writer that you talk to will tell you there are those moments And that's one reason why we keep doing it is those transcendent moments where you're freed from the burden of being this particular body, mind, age, gender, race, sex, experience. You're just, you're a conduit that life is flowing through. Mm -hmm. So often I don't know how it's going to come out. Um, Later I can trace influences maybe and, you know, later people tell you about how it affected them or what they saw in it, mm-hmm. um, and that feels like an honor. Um, but while I'm doing it, I don't I don't sit down to write stories with a moral. And Charlotte was very powerful on that. She hated books that purported to have. Good values. I mean, even though hers did, mm-hmm. she did not think that children were little lumps of clay that you had to stamp, you know, manners and do be a do be and don't be a don't be. Um, and you know, she was contemptuous of books. She said, she said, if you can see what the moral is, the slip is showing. She used to say. Ah. In those days, of course, women wore dresses. It was those fifties dresses with the nipped-in waist, and then you wore foundation garments <laughs> and we wore a slip underneath so it would all look smooth and you wouldn't see any little lumps and bumps that the girdles were trying to contain and then your slip made it all look smooth and you never wanted your slip to show mm-hmm. and so charlotte always thought that a book that was trying to preach to children was like in poor taste and poor art and she would say it's the slip is showing
0: i love so, that i love that
1: and she hated it when people would say to her, oh, you write such sweet books for children, or oh, it taught such a good lesson. I mean, she'd always be polite and in company, but privately she would go, ah, you know? <laughs> Why do they call it sweet, said she. Mm-hmm. Wow. So,
0: you, yeah, you mentioned married life. Um, how you revealed... Your relationship with Mark was just was precious. Uh, you talked about a man in your life on social media for a little while, but you didn't reveal who he was. And then finally, we met the man, and and then you got married, and it was a beautiful story. So, uh, so this how's married life? Year period, six years. <laughs> yeah.
1: So it was quite a little
2: while. <laughs> but, but and part of the reason for that was, you know, my work has to do with uh, cybersecurity and and intelligence, and at, at the time. I had been warned uh, by the U.S. officials to, to be very careful about revealing online uh, any, any loving relationships uh, because there was the target of, of other countries' intelligence services. Right. So I had to be really careful, and, and even my children, I never never revealed online who those were or anything like that. So that was how it started, was we were both be, just being very, very discreet, because, and there was a darn good reason for it. And then, uh, and now I don't, I do do, do that on class work anymore, uh, and so it's, uh, it's, it, we felt free to uh, kind of gradually disclose what was going. On.
1: And you also want to leave, you want to leave space for what's going to grow to grow. We didn't know. If, yeah. You know, we we were intrigued by each other. We liked each other. We gradually moved towards loving each other. But it's just like to go back again to the garden you know, when do I transplant young seeds? Not when it's in the full sun, but when it's about to rain Mm -hmm. or late in the day when it's shady. And I just wanted us to have a little bit of shade
2: to if we were going to get rooted, to get rooted without the glare of... Well, I, I get that. And then I was just thinking about in one of my books, I actually quote The Grateful Dead. when It said that what a long, strange trip it's been. <laughs> uh, that was the one that came out like, uh, a couple of years ago. Um, I, yeah, well, you know, it was it was just because uh, I was talking about the journey that the book took to get completed. And it was a long, tortuous. A course with that particular one. And you should
1: so, explain what you write about just so. That
2: um, guys... i I write about software and how to produce good software and how to how to make software that um, that that the bad guys will get frustrated with because they can't you know make it do bad things. Mm-hmm. so writing writing good software for and it's it turns out to be diff- very difficult. It's, I've been working on it for decades, and uh, it's that's the reason why there are so many security bugs all over all over the world because it's so hard to do. So, I write books that tell people how to do it right.
1: And I can't read much of it, but there's one chapter in one of them that really takes up the big questions of why do people do evil? Yeah. You know, I mean, it turns out because he is a thoughtful man, mm. it's not just tech, it's what is it that drives people to this disruptive, destructive, mean behavior? You know, sometimes it's clear they're out to steal something, but sometimes they do it just for the
2: just, just for the trip. Just
1: joyriding, or just to and, see if they can do it.
2: Yeah, and I want to. just want to brag. My my brother uh, is a is a has been a professional copy editor, and I love what he said about one of my books. He said, "Mark, I can't understand the subject matter, but the punctuation is so beautiful it brings tears to my eyes." <laughs> <laughs>
0: so,
2: nice. So that's another thing about trying to do things exactly right. You know, just trying to bring as much excellence as you can to whatever you're focusing on, mm-hmm. and that's an the punctuation was something I could control.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's that's one difference in that kind of writing or let's say my cookbook writing, a recipe is in a way, I would never have thought this had Mark not said it to me, it's like software, you know. Mm-hmm. You're giving somebody something and you're saying, do this, this, and this, and this will be the result. And if
2: if you oh, say... It's, well, It's very much like that. Start with this ingredients. do this and do this and do this until that, and then stop. <laughs> right. I mean, that's, and there would be that's, eight that's servings. And that's the end. Well, that's that you know, not,
1: not three servings, not 15 servings.
2: But you know, I was also commenting in one of these books we've read, dozens of these books we've read, that there was one book we read in particular by her mother. I actually counted. It was so sparse. There was a total in the entire book of 143 words that were actually on the page. 143 words all together, not 143 different words. huh. 143 words on this book that was, you know, 15 pages or something. And I, I pointed out to Crescent in our little talk afterwards. I said, "Just imagine, try to take—I challenge you—try to take one word away and have this make sense. Right? Right. You, can't, you can't take one piece of it out. And that's that's the kind of precision that that children's writing can demand. Right? Is, is to be is to really be clear what you're trying to say, how you're saying it, what words you're going to choose, and what images, you should, what what similes you're going to introduce, what." Uh, what symbolism you're going to use? But of course, your, while you're doing it,
1: as I say, you well, don't think about your, it. But then it, later, it that's turns your, that's out. your
2: yeah. beautiful analogy of the editor versus the writer. Right. So,
0: so yeah. you're saying you're saying that Charlotte would have mastered Twitter.
2: <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I know well, she, she would have. She would have, she would have hated. With it.
1: She would have hated Twitter. She but, would have hated to be limited it. to it. Yeah. And she would have. Um, she referred to the computer as the machine she vaguely got to be part of it a little ways Mm -hmm. and you know I I run her page on Facebook and I started that when she was still alive and I would say Charlotte there's this way on the machine that I can let a lot of people know how you're at one point this is a sweet Charlotte story we're getting getting a little off track but I love this story there there was a colleague of mine who had a little backyard chicken flock and she named all of her female chickens after various women chefs and cookbook writers that she admired. So she had a a hen named Julia Child. And so she had one hen that she named Crescent Dragon Wagon. <laughs> so she writes me this fan letter and she says, Crescent Dragon Wagon is my friendliest chicken. She has bright yellow feet. She jumps on my lap when I go out. She's like a pet. She's So I later met this woman at a culinary conference and she had very carefully blown out the inside of an egg and This beautiful little speckled egg, and she packed it in sixteen layers of excelsior, and and um, she brought it to the conference. This egg belonging to the chicken, (laughs) and so when I got back from that conference, Charlotte was still alive and she was bed bound, and I showed her the egg and put her hand on it because she couldn't see that well, and I said. This egg came from a chicken named Crescent Dragon Wagon and I said to Charlotte did you ever hear of something so silly as having a chicken named after you and Charlotte you know who at this time is in her late 90s and is almost like my little girl at that point mm-hmm. sort of looks at me and she says very slowly I don't think it's silly and there was sort of a longing look on her face. And I said, Charlotte, do you would you like there to be a chicken named after you? And she said, yes. <laughs> and I said, may I have your permission to let your friends on the machine know? And so I go to Facebook and I type this whole exchange. And like an hour later, there are 15 chickens in the backyard <laughs> 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 named Named Charlotte or Charlotte Zolotow, and in one case somebody knew the family, and they named the rooster Maurice (laughs) after my (laughs) father. And the whole thing was so hilarious and silly, and Charlotte was very happy that there were chickens named after her running around pecking.
0: (laughs) Well, that just goes to show that you can find joy in anything.
1: (laughs) You can, and you can also find misery in anything. Yes, you can. That's the choice that you over and over again, which way is it going to go, you know, we, and is this, I mean, I what I refer to as the mother of all questions is, is this expenditure of time, money, emotional energy, thought, taking me closer to or farther than who and what I want to be? And at the moment that I start to lose it, and as Mark will certainly verify, I lose it with regularity as do most of us human beings treading the earth but when I can take a deep breath and ask the mother of all questions I usually find that losing it over something is not going to help me do it better or you know I, I mean I hate so many things that are happening in our society at the moment but but then then when I apply that question it falls to me to do some kind of alchemy or transformation to take the anger, the sorrow, the frustration, the despair, how can I not pretend that I don't feel those things when I feel them, but take those things, feel them, and translate them to something, and as I say, action is empowering. Um, Obviously, some actions are more constructive than others. But I try to find one that is going to, at the very ground level, do no harm and might actually do some good. And then I feel better because I'm I'm not just letting the, the sad and terrible things of our time march over me. You know? Right,
0: right. So Crescent Mark, you're both uh, readers. You're both writers. So tell me... Um, and I know Cressa may have had a chance to think about this already, and Mark, maybe you haven't, but what's your favorite quotation or saying, and how does it relate to the season that you're walking through?
1: Mm -hmm. You know, I love, the poet Wislawa Samborska says, um, oh, and I would like to get this quote exactly right. The last part of it is, Okay. After all, every ending is a beginning, and the book of events is always open halfway through. Hmm. You know, we're always in the middle of the story. That's so. That's powerful to me. That's lovely. And you know, that's that's very powerful for me. And also, there's you know a saying. It's reputed to be a, quote, African saying, which is ridiculous. Obviously, it was someplace in Africa, but I've never been, in. which is, you know, fall down 10 times, get up 11. Right. You know, and over and over again, I come back to that idea that, you know, and I've known known people like that. And they've taught, they've not taught, but demonstrated that skill. I mean, I was widowed and I was wiped out by that and yet you know over time and i i had a happy marriage i loved that man and yet over time 20 years later you know i married again okay mark has been looking something up yeah smiling I, on I, his I, phone. I looked
2: up i so um this is my favorite uh, quotation it's from uh, a poem called uh, dover beach by matthew arnold and you know the secret to me is um I'm a really good worrier. Right? <laughs> so so my my journey is I, I see what bad things can happen, and then I try to control those fears and, and do something positive about it, which is what I do professionally. So Dover Beach is a terribly depressing poem, which he wrote on his honeymoon. I can't day. believe you put um, this one. <laughs> but, but it's, it's just an, but here but here it is. She asked the question. So I always I always answer the question. Here is the uh, peroration from Dover Beach. He, he, he gives this long, dreary explanation of, of, of what's going on Buzz in the world. Buzzkiller on the honeymoon. On, the, on his honeymoon, he wrote it. <laughs> and, But he does say, Ah love, let us be true to one another. For the world, which seems to lie before us like a land of dreams, so various, so beautiful, so new, hath really neither joy, nor love, nor light, nor certitude, nor peace, nor help for pain. So he, like me, you know, looks out on the world and sees this, this harass of, of, of pain and uncertainty, but he says, uh, you know, let us love one another. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so, um, that's, uh, that's the thought that carries me. And, and by the way, my credo and my, my eternal aspiration is just two words, um, which fits in very well with your, with your podcast, which is. I always aspire, choose joy. Mm, yes. Right. So let us love one another and then choose joy. And and I am the most imperfect you can imagine in doing that. But that's what always what's what I have in front of me is to is to look at all the stuff that I can see going wrong, and I'm really good at it, and then find the joy, find the positive thing, and then try to make the world just a little better with one step forward. That's the whole deal.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you so much. We could go on and on. I mean, I love talking <laughs> to you guys, but I don't want to take up um, any more of your time. So thank you so much for... Um, thank, you, thank you. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's been great. And actually, I will I will just ask you, um, I know you have a couple of things coming up, so I'd love to know uh, if you could tell our listeners
1: some projects that you have coming up. Oh, well, um, besides the readings, I there's a workshop that I teach. And I fortunately began teaching it half on zoom a couple of years ago. Uh, I do a small workshop called Tuesdays with Crescent Mm -hmm. and I'm doing a special COVID summer edition. That's only going to be eight weeks, eight weeks, every Tuesday night, seven to nine, um, uh, central time. Uh, and it's, I I teach longer and deeper writing workshops, but this one kind of you show up, you're online, I say a little bit, we go into writing, we read about it, and it's it is transformative. My my spring group of it, um Several of them were in the West Coast under major deep lockdown. And when we finished, that one was 10 weeks long. When we finished that, two of them said, no, you can't stop. This is our lifeline. So they, <laughs> me and I showed up. We did another, another extra month. And I said, okay, again, give me two weeks and I'll do an eight-week summer course. Mm-hmm. So if you go to my website, which also answers the question people always ask about my silly name, um, you can find details on Tuesdays with Crescent. The next round is going to start on June the 9th. Mm-hmm. And that is, I love that class. And people are at all levels, you know, from people that have said, oh, I've always wanted to write, or I used to write, but I stopped, or I write professionally, but I'm bored with it. So I have people that are ranked beginners and I have those that are creative writing teachers. And... I somehow I, I limit it to 12 people, and somehow they every time I think, oh, this is my best group ever. Somehow people bond and they write things that just surprise them. They surprise themselves and they surprise us. And you know, sometimes we'll be, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of people will give what they call writing prompts, and. I think most of those prompts are a little too complicated and erudite. I give fairly simple topics, but then I overlay it with a particular form or forms, which kind of help people think in a way. I mean, the main thing to become a conduit is you have to get out of the way of I mean, in one sense, you train your mind and you show up and you do all the discipline, all the craft of it. But when it comes to the art, you have to be able to throw all that out and just be present. And so Tuesdays with Crescent, you know, I'll give people goofy things (laughs) and they're so goofy that they just wind up writing things. And then afterwards, people or part of it, people will read aloud unless they don't want to. And everybody thinks on the front end, I'm not going to want to. And they all get eager, eager to read theirs because there's, you know, during the writing time, it's quiet, except maybe you'll hear somebody laugh. Mm -hmm.
0: Or,
1: you know, or if it's on, if it's all on zoom and we have have it muted, I'll look up and I'll see somebody's crying as they're, as they're writing. So, that one is my next immediate one. Of course, I have books in process, and you know, I do the work as Charlotte's literary executor, and there's our home life here, and you know, there's a lot history, going on. It's a lot of stuff, and Mark has a bunch of stuff going on as well.
2: I do, although you know, with it, my work is kind of confidential, so I can't talk about any of the clients. But if uh, I do have a website, markcraft.com. People get an idea of what I can do for small businesses. I like to do that. Also, I, I'm really working these days on uh, helping people keep children safe. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal for me. And uh, and then in the working on a children's book, we'll see how that goes. I think that's uh, going to be uh, uh, explaining cyber to children. And then, oh, I uh, can't wait. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, well, I, I understand it pretty well. I've been doing it a long time, so I'm going to try to explain it. And then, of course, in the near future, I'm going to be holding up books and uh, waving them in front of the camera so that uh, so that people can see the pictures that go with these beautiful words. You know, that's that's the show.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, we'll we'll definitely be uh, looking out for you guys both uh, individually and together. And again, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. It's been great. it's it's been such a pleasure. Such a pleasure.
1: Thank you, Yvette. I'm so glad to get to know you face to face. Um. And you know, I'm so happy that. The man with the purple eyes spoke to you,
0: and yes, you. he he really did. Well, all right. Well, thank you. This has been positively joy. Thanks for listening, and as always, farewell.